hands. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Joseph Simkovic, author of How to Kiss the Universe, Ms. Aida, author, psychic, spellcaster, root worker, and witch. You can find her at MsAida.com. M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A and this episode is being sponsored by Ginger Glasser and you can find her at tarotbyginger.com she's a tarot reader, evidential medium, and healer and also this episode is being sponsored by Alan Questel and you can find him at uncommonsensing.com and he has a new book out called Intentional Acts of Kindness which you can find on Amazon and now, without further ado, our guest for today is Ginger Glasser. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me again. I love being here with you, Gary. Yeah. Great to be here. So we were talking before the show about what we were going to talk about, and mm-hmm. we decided to talk about synchronicities. Yes. Um did you say you had one that we were going to talk about right off the bat? Oh, I've just been having them like crazy, though. You know, that's... Have you lately? I had seemed to be, too, actually. Like like little things. From Every time I look at the clock, it's either 111 or 444. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, I recently had a, a whole day of deja vu. Ooh. Like, like, there wasn't just like a second of it. It was like the entire day. Wow. You know, yes, what, two days ago was the summer solstice. Yeah, also, it was also my father's birthday. What? Oh, it was. Mm -hmm. I wonder, um, I had a lot of deja vu experiences when I was a little kid. Yeah. I mean, I can remember them driving in the, I'd be driving in the car with my parents when I was like three. You know, we didn't have seatbelts or uh, uh, car seats, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, but I remember sitting in the back seat with my sisters feeling like I'd been here before, but I recognized that I, it was also a time when I just became really conscious of what was going on around me. So I'm like, how could I have been here before? Very weird. Deja vu is kind of freaky. Yeah, this one was really strong. Probably the strongest that I've ever felt in my life. Huh. Wow. Do you remember what it was? What- oh, I went to this weird farm in... Pennsylvania, and as soon as I got there, I was like, "Wow, I think I've been here before," and I think I, and I felt like I was been, I've been there before, not just been there before, but with the same people. It was like I was reliving the same exact event that I've lived before. Maybe you were just have you had a premonition, maybe maybe you dreamt it or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? It's sort of like a future self. I think I lived it before because I'm not necessarily a believer in the construct of time. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Um, wow. That's really interesting. I've had that experience too with the same people being in this, in some place I've, I know I've never been before in this life, but that has happened to me. So synchronicities, um, I don't know how much of a synchronicity is, but to me it was. Uh, so last night I was in my channeling class and my, um, 
teacher, there were about seven of us there on Zoom. And my teacher said, he always asks us, how are what are you feeling um, energetically, spiritually, and psychically, ESP? And so I told him, and then I said, and I said, and um, um, the Ascended Masters, it's as though they just walked in the room and they're circling me. I said the White Brotherhood. They came in the room and they're circling me now. And But St. Germain is not wearing white. He's wearing the same robes that St. Francis would wear. And he has a little bird hmm. on his hand. And um, I said, so, and I think, I think it may be that he, he had been St. Francis in a lifetime, but I'm not sure. Anyway, so he's there. And, and as soon as I say that, my dog, who's sleeping, wakes up and comes over to me. Like he could feel the energy as well, mm -hmm. you know, of St. Saint, of, uh, Saint Germain. And um, St. Germain did, but, you know, when the dog gets up, uh, because the animals can all feel that high vibe energy when you get a bunch of channelers together, there's that high vibration that's happening. He just sleeps through it. But there's one guy in my class, whenever he channels, my dog wakes up, gets off the couch, because that's his man cave, mm -hmm. and he sits up and he just looks at me. And as soon as the guy stops channeling, he goes back to sleep. Isn't that wild? Is uh, wild? There's something about that guy's energy. And... um and he did that last night with St. Germain. So, um, but St. Germain said that, uh, that Mother Earth is going, you know, something that she's going through at this time will affect small animals, small, small animals. So I had a vision of like even chihuahuas and small dogs and cats and that, that there's something changing in her vibration so that he asked us all to pray for the creatures of the earth that they um, are able to handle the change. Because, you know, when we experience a vibration higher than we're used to, we can get sick. We can feel sick to our stomachs. We can get headaches, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I've, I got the sense that that's what Mother Earth is going through, something like that. Her vibration is rising and the animals are not used to it. And so they may get a little sick. Not that it would kill them, but it would be uncomfortable. Okay. Well, so. long as it, long as it's not going to hurt them. <laughs> then, no, no, I, it's just if that. I, if I found out that that raising the vibration of the planet or of ourselves was going to hurt little animals, I'd be like, no, let's not do no, it. No, no. He said, he said, I'm here just to bring love to them because they're going to not be feeling. They're not going to die or anything like that. He just said. Her vibration is going to be raising that, you know, just like for us. The first time I saw uh, Mother Mary was complete surprise to me. And she was so strong that I did feel sick. I felt nauseous because it was just way too much vibration for me, a frequency. Mm -hmm. And so she moved back. And, so, and Jesus, the same thing happened to me with Jesus. He had to move really far back. So... Um, and when you're moving to a higher frequency and vibration like that, it can take up to a week before you get used to it. Mm -hmm. So you go in and test the waters and you come back out and you go in and test the waters. So 
that's something that can happen. But um, so anyway, my synchronicity was interesting how the dog and St. Germain came together that way. But I had another, um, what was the other thing? I was talking to somebody today. I was thinking about something in reference to them earlier today that just came to me out of the blue. So probably was a psychic hit of some kind. And then as soon as I met this person for coffee, it's the first thing he said. And so I thought, well, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Mm. Um, but I, um, I always love the idea of synchronicity because it's like alchemy. It just comes out of the blue and it's not something you can ever plan for. And it feels as though it's, um, a God thing. Mm. A lot of times, you know, synchronicity, uh, synchronous events. Um, I don't mind using that God word, spirit, God, universe, whatever. I don't have a prejudice against God. He gets a bad rap. She, he and she gets a bad rap. Yeah. But um, anyway, um, it feels like it's a force of nature, right? Doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I look at it as cosmic consciousness. Yeah. Like I tend to, in more of like a quantum field type of view, I usually tend to look at things now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, yeah, it's a really cool thing. Um, I wonder if you know when we meet people. Uh, when we meet people who we just really hit it off with, like the first time you meet them, and it could be the opposite sex, same sex, but man, you just hit it off. And, you know, maybe you met, knew them in another life, who knows, but mm. maybe you didn't, and maybe you were just fated to meet because it was a syn- synchronistic event. Um, maybe they're going to do something for you, or you're going to do something for them, or maybe they just snapped you out of the sadness you were feeling for a little while, you know, and that's all you needed to get you through the day or whatever. Um, I love those kind of meetings with people, mm. you know. And then it happens on a large scale, too, you know, where it just shakes up your entire life. Yes, it can, right? <laughs> it, can, it really can. I, um, I had, when we were younger, my sister had a girlfriend uh you know we're still friends with her and she married this guy and um this guy has six six brothers or something like that five brothers and we got to my me and my two sisters got to be friends with all of them right and they like became lifelong friends and it's just my her girlfriend's husband you know because of him we met all of these guys and it's like we're brothers and sisters you know what i mean um whoever would have thought that something like that would happen you know it's just kind of interesting how that happens and she was probably 30 maybe in her late 20s when they met and got married but um i mean if i if we saw each other tomorrow you know it was would be like we never were apart that's kind of a interesting meeting yeah of people so um what else so another thing we we could talk about is have you ever had job burnout oh yeah yeah well, i worked for comcast for 15 years and, oh my gosh really man like by the end i was like 
Really? I just wanted the suffering to stop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you were overworked, it was just and, way too much work. Well, it happened to me uh, recently. And here's what I want to say is that, so, um, you know, I've never had job burnout. I always worked for companies where, you know, maybe somebody would leave, they would quit. And maybe you'd have to take over their job for a month or so before they get somebody else. But I've never had the experience of having to take over somebody else's job completely. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm fortunate. And, um, but it happened to me last September and I kept telling my boss, um, I can't continue to do this. This is way too much work for one person. And this, you know, I wasn't hired to do it. I said, and this is not part of my job, although I'm willing to do it if it's only for a short period of time. I'll do that. I don't have a problem with that. And he said, oh, don't worry, don't worry. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Well, I talked to him about it every month. And I said, I can't continue to do this. We need to hire somebody. And um, he just kept saying, wait, wait. So in March, I I said to myself, look, you're about re ready to call the, um, the mental hospital just so you can get some rest. I really had a job burnout. I mean, I, I was just feeling confused and everything during work hours. And, mm -hmm. and I said, you know what, Jen, you, you have so many clients coming to you about their careers and you read for them and you tell them, you know, well, the cards and the guides are saying, if you're ready to make this move, it is a good time to make this move. And I've had a lot of clients make those moves. I need to make that kind of a move now. It's my turn um, because this is not helping my health and uh, not my mental health or my physical health or my spiritual health. So I ended up offering my resignation and the boss didn't accept it. He said, no, 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 I'll do anything to keep you. We will hire someone right away. This was the end of March and in um, by May... 10th, I'd say nobody was, we hadn't even talked about a job description or anything. So I said, all right, I just sent him an email. I said, okay, the end of the month is the end for me here. I'm going to leave. I'm leaving. And I didn't have another job to go to. Mm. I mean, I have my tarot business uh, and my channeling business, but that's never been full time. Um, although I would like it to be, but I said, you know what? I just have to trust. And I felt my guides telling me a door is going to open. Don't worry a door will open you leave this job a door will open and so I did that well I don't I feel kind of disappointed but my boss uh he agreed to make some changes in writing he I asked him he I put it in writing the changes I needed to see in place and um he signed the document and we have hired someone to do this work that I but um, so I call it the dark night of the soul because job burnout doesn't, you know, a lot of times people get job burnout because you don't have another job to go to. So what mm -hmm. are you going to do? Or you leave one job and you go to another job and it's just as bad. Mm -hmm. Or people don't know how to set boundaries. And, um, I certainly didn't have that problem here. I just wasn't being listened. I just, he didn't want to hear it. You know, he just didn't want to hear it. And, um, but a lot of times when that happens, there are other things going on in our lives that could have happened anywhere, like in the tarot, you know, a major arcana card. 
can affect you for about five years, maybe 10 years. I like to say about five. So something that you didn't deal with two and a half years ago is still in your arena waiting to be dealt with. And this job burnout is just a part of that. It's part of the pattern of it. Synchronicities. Do you think that's a coincidence? No. No, it's not a coincidence. It's really begging to be dealt with. And it's making me think about patterns in our lives um, and patterns in my life Mm -hmm. because um, I had to, you know, I went to see my doctor about it because I was concerned for my physical health from the stress. And, um, you know, what, you know, so of course they suggest that you go get therapy and I'm, I have made an appointment to do that because I think that's important. I think therapy is really good when you have a goal in mind, not to go forever and ever and ever, mm-hmm. but you have a goal in mind, you go for, you know, six months, whatever, whatever it takes. But cognitive therapy is what I really like to do. But I'm having an issue. I go for a little bit of therapy. I Here's my problem. I would like to work this out. Usually in therapy, we don't, if the therapist is good, the therapist doesn't let us skirt the issue mm-hmm. and we can get to the heart of the matter. Um, and so um, I've been wondering why um, why does this sort of, like in the last five years, um, I lived in New Mexico, I got divorced and I moved here to take care of my fam- my parents. Um, Then I get this, and that was very stressful. And then, you know, just moving, right? That's a major stressor. Getting a divorce, major stressor. Moving, major stressor. You've been through it. All of that the last couple of years. And and it's not that the the divorce was not amicable. It was just a pain in the butt, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we're not friends, but we're not enemies either. And um, I, I wouldn't go back to live in New Mexico in a heartbeat, but I'd go back to visit in a heartbeat. But then I came here and I took care of my mom, um, you know, and that was, you know, we loved each other, uh, but taking care of somebody is really hard. And you know that too. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I took care of her husband until he passed. And and then I got this job that was really kind of a crazy job. And, um, but I hung in there and I just asked my guides and the angels, just help me, lead me in the right direction, give me the right words, help me to have patience, blah, blah, blah. And then um, my job changed at work. I got a, a different position that I enjoyed much more. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then I got heaped on this other aspect of work that I really don't enjoy. And I'm talking to my guides and angels the whole time, uh, but I know that there's a pattern. There's a pattern. Um, and so I know what the pattern is. And that's, you know, when you go through the dark night of the soul, a dark night of the soul, the point is get to the meat of the issue. What is the pattern? Because otherwise you're just dragging it out. Depends on what the dark night of the soul actually is. Like, if it's a negative thought pattern uh-huh. that's causing us to stay in that depressive or anxiety or whatever, then, you know, we got to take action. I think part is like looking at that thought pattern and mm-hmm. learning how to catch it and then replace it with something else. Mm-hmm. Well, then you've done that, I bet. 
you quit smoking, right? And that's mm. a negative, that's a constant thought pattern. Um, I think that, you know, I think what I, I'm kind of just saying that I, you know, we want to get, I want to get to the heart of the matter because mm-hmm. whatever it is, I've done this over and over in my life because as a reader, I have to do this kind of work. But the point is getting to what is the meat of the issue? What is, what created the pattern in the first place? What I want to say about that is that I ask for help. I ask my guides. And it helps. I ask my guides and everybody. Yep, it helps because um, I really got, and I got my answers through a podcast. Hmm. The aha moment happened as I was listening to a podcast that had nothing to do with the dark night of the soul, but I heard something that I needed to hear, and it was the answer. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. Uh, that's kind of synchronicity. Yeah, it is, that's an <laughs> it well, is. it's part of synchronicity, but you bring up like a whole other subject, a couple, a bunch of different subjects. One is yeah. identifying, you know, the patterns that we need to change. Uh, the second thing is when we're at those moments of despair, like when, we're, when there's nothing left but to pray or ask for outside guidance, Yes, that's when you're going to get it, you know, because cause your entire heart is in it and you're just throwing that energy out into the universe. Yes. <laughs> and, and the universe is going to take it and it's going to use that energy to create what it is you want and send it back to you. Yes, the universe is saying we're waiting. We've been waiting for you to ask. You know, it, it's it's it, it's just. I think that's a, so. It's a weird thing. It's available to everybody. You know, it's like, I think it's true. Uh, it's like one of those ways of just manifesting things is when you're just in complete despair. We're in complete. Put despair. it out there. We have nowhere else to go. It's what happens to the addict who gets clean and sober, or the alcoholic, mm-hmm. or whatever, or the person in just deep despair, right? Because we we can't. We can't fix it ourselves, yeah. right? We can't figure it out. But that's and also when miracles happen. Yes. Yep. Because miracles happen. I think mir- miracles are a result of prayer. Because I think that, you know, like you say, the universe, prayer is just um, a conversation. Oh, I, th- I think of prayer as, as not so much a conversation with the outside entity because I kind of look at the univ- the cosmos and myself as one and the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I okay. look at it as um, I don't know. It's it's its own creative force. Whatever it is, like like when you're putting energy, I, I look at it as like a, more like an exchange of energy. When you put that energy out, it's going to come back. What, whether it's and, positive and it's, or negative, yeah. right? Yeah so, yeah, so so but even by asking for help out of desperation, I mean most of us don't think of that as something positive. You know, we think right. that's like this most awful moment of weakness. The ten of swords. But but really what but it really is probably maybe one of the most positive things that happens to us because yeah. that's when change happens, yeah. right? That's a I was kinda I have to say that I'm kinda grateful for that um meltdown that quote-unquote meltdown i didn't like act out at work or anything but i felt like oh my god i can't do this anymore and um i'm grateful for that Mm -hmm. when those kind of things happen they don't feel good but i know that change is going to come from it because i do it over and over 
Yeah. You know, because I'm such, I'm not a perfect person. That's for sure. And, you know, um, when I'm perfect, that means, you know, I'll be dead and saintly. <laughs> I don't know when that's, I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> uh, maybe in a week. But, yeah, right. But, um, so it brings up that, it brings up how our minds work and that it, it'll go you know, that squirrel wheel will happen. And we say that we're looking at all the possibilities. Well, we don't know all the possibilities. That's why it's good <laughs> to talk to other people because they may have something like listening to that podcast. It was right? just an aha moment. Yeah, being open. Um, yeah. But, but you're open. At, but that's another thing, too, though, is though. After that act of desperation, and I think it's one of the reasons why it works, is it makes us open to all possibilities and not just the ones that our ego deems acceptable. Exactly, because our ego is our ego is defeated. Actually, mm -hmm. I think our ego, do you think it's defeated or do you think it feels like it's in charge? Well, I, I think during those, those acts of, during those moments of desperation, it gets confused. Yeah. And I think it starts spinning and spinning and it can't solve the problem, you know, like 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 mm -hmm. trying to solve pie or something like that, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And when it's busy doing that, it leaves the rest of, the, of our our, con our subconscious mind open to other things that we would normally wouldn't be able to perceive. You know, it's kind of like even in like NLP and certain types of hypnotism, they do uh -huh. that. They'll try to distract the subconscious mind or part of it. So they can insert an idea in really quick. Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, it's interesting to think that even the ego gets tired. Oh, yeah. Right, right. That's the whole uh, point of meditation. When I was like, yeah. know, when I used to do like Buddhist retreats at the monasteries and stuff. Well, yeah. You know, it was like the whole point of it was just not to fight the ego, but kind of just let the ego, let, that, let, it, let, it, let it run. Just be aware of it. And eventually it tires itself out, gives up. I think that's interesting because I've never had that experience. I um, When I do meditation, my meditative practice just sort of overrides the ego, and eventually I don't even hear it anymore. Hmm. I let it go. Um, in channeling, I, I have trained it to step aside. But in meditation... I let it run, but then I, so a lot of times when I meditate, I, um, I will repeat a spiritual passage from beginning to end over and over very slowly. And I attend to that. And when I find that my mind has wandered from it, I go back to it and start at the beginning and I attend to it and I say it very slowly in my mind. And eventually that's all I hear is the meditation. So... The ego may be still running, mm -hmm. but I'm not noticing it. I right. don't know. Right. You put it you in know? the background and you put your, your mantra in, into the foreground. Right, right. And um, it's that's not an easy way to meditate, um, but no, it's effective. It's effective. Yeah. I mean, I, it's easy, it is easy, but it's not easy. It's mm -hmm. easy, but it's not simple. And um, I'll tell you, when I first started doing that, after about six months, one morning... Um, I, d I was laying on the floor with my uh, 
knees up, you know, so I wouldn't fall asleep. And one day I stopped feeling my body. I was in such a deep meditation and I thought I was levitating because all of a sudden I became conscious and I didn't feel the floor beneath me. And it scared the hell out of me. And I stopped meditating for like six months. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Isn't that funny though? That's yeah. how deep I got into it. And um, yeah, it helped me a lot. Being able to meditate like that helped. So also... and. In that kind of minute, when you can meditate that way, that's when you meet your higher self in your soul. Mm -hmm. Because you have to go up the levels of your energy field um, to expand your consciousness, and they're on the way up. Um, so I, you know, I had a channeling teacher who would teach us to go move up and down between our higher self and our soul, and we would ask each. Um, part of our energy field questions and um, that's how we got used to it and then we would go up higher to see what spirit guides were there to talk to us so um, that it's just an exciting blissful thing mm -hmm. yep it really is and you know it's an exciting blissful thing and we'll do it for a while and then we just stop so <laughs> it, it takes discipline and, and the ego yeah. comes back it doesn't go away yeah. forever yeah and you know if you so you know you're doing this for a while and then you meet someone and you have a new relationship and you stop doing your routines i call that the walk around mm -hmm. walk around yeah i need some walk around time hun so i can go back home and meditate you know <laughs> But you bring your partner into the meditation time with you. You know, that's something you could do. Yeah. Yeah, you like, like for me, it kind of stopped. Like, I fell off the wagon, and I still just go getting back on it. But the, the last, after, after my parents died, it's like, was, was, was a big thing for me. Yeah. And then I had, like, that near-death experience, and then I had the divorce, and then I moved, and then I got sick. I know. It was like one thing <laughs> after like, another. Yeah. Yeah, it was one thing after another for you. Um, I've heard you tell that story. It's amazing how that kind of stuff happens, right? It's like, I can't take anymore. <laughs> Somebody help me. I can't take it. Um, so let's see, getting back to synchronicities. Um, do you remember one that was like a really, I think that, the synchronicities that have happened for me have to do with other people, mm -hmm. other people that I've met. Um, I can remember when I worked on Wall Street and um, I got into a cab. Uh, it was raining and I was trying to get up to Penn Station and me and this guy got into the cab at the same time and uh, on each side of the car, on the opposite side of the car. And we just looked at each other, and I, I told him where I'm going, He's and he was going on the way to where I was going, so it worked out fine. But um, he offered me a job at Goldman Sachs. Hmm. He, uh, We started talking, and I knew what I was talking about, and you know, I've been in the business for a long time, and he offered me a job at Goldman Sachs, and I said, well, I'll come visit you. you know, I'll go check it out. Um, but I, you know, I thought it was so interesting that, you know, we got in the cab at the same time. That is, that's a real synchronicity. I didn't see him and he didn't see me. It was really wild. I walked into Goldman Sachs' building and I'm like, 
Oh my God, that building is all marble, marble floors, marble walls, marble columns. It was an imposing building from the inside out. And I said, I don't know, do I really want to work in a place like this? Um, because I also, I'm not realizing that I had a pretty good sense of intuition. I also had the feeling that the markets were not going to be doing well soon. This was in 1987 and Black Monday occurred in that October. Mm -hmm. um, I, um, so I, I declined the position, but I was working at a boutique firm, uh, on Park Avenue and I gave my resignation two weeks before Black Monday. My last day was the Friday before that Black Monday. I went to work for EF Hutton on Long Island instead near home. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, oh my God, look at the, look at the coincidence of that. I mean, cause I think it, I think there was stuff going on at that boutique firm that was not good, which is why I um, left the company. I think people were doing deals under the table that were not good ideas. <laughs> and, um, and I left that company. I, I don't know if they're still in business, but, um, that was a very, a lot of synchronicity there. Yep. Yeah. That was also the year of the harmonic convergence. Hmm. 1987, I believe. Yeah. But reading tarot cards in a way is always a synchronicity. It Every time you read, time, right? Yeah. I mean, Every time. it's kind of how it works. Yep, yep. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that I guess people could see that it works, but well, one of the words you know, is a synchronicity. You know, tarot, the tarot cards don't lie. I've done hundreds and hundreds of readings, and I've never had cards where I, I, I would say, what is going on here? You know, what is, because um, I would talk to the person about the cards and they knew exactly what, you know, or they would understand the possibility of it. Uh, the only people who don't get it are those who are afraid to be exposed about something or other, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but the tarot cards don't lie. The, my interpretation of them may not be. Right. Act, right? That, right, yeah, because we have our own analytical overlay that we can't right. avoid, unfortunately. Right, and plus, you know, we, you know, are into, and if somebody is kind of blocking you, you mm -hmm. know, you don't really, it's not easy to read cards for someone who doesn't really want you to know certain things, right? Mm -hmm. They they put up a, a block. Uh, although I, that happened to me once, and I ended up telling that, person that I'm not her tarot reader. <laughs> um, um, I said, I'm not your tarot, because she told me everything that I told her during the reading was true after she told me it was all, no, that didn't happen, or no, that's not right. And I'm like, well, <laughs> what's the point of that? So, but um, yeah, that was a very synchronistic kind of year for me, yeah. that year. You know what? You mind if I pull some cards for you? No, I'd love it. Since you always do it for me. Yeah, I would love it. Go ahead. Any particular deck? What do you got? What do you like to use? I, have, I like. I have I so like many any, decks. I, like I have a chakra deck. I have an activation deck. I have a visionary path tarot. I have the you know regular weight deck, hermetic tarot, sex magic tarot. 
Sex magic tarot. No, I'm not into the love tarot stuff. <laughs> Although, you know, the sex magic, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I, have, I have the Ritual Golden Dawn deck. Do you have a Toth deck? A what? Toth. Toth? Toth deck? Yeah, the T-H-O-T-H. I do. I like that deck. Udius, let's do it. I haven't used yeah, this deck in forever. I love that deck. I love the artwork on that deck. And I like the, um, you know, I may not like, uh, what's his name, who, Crowley? Yeah, that's why, that people, that's why a lot of people are afraid of this deck, because of Crowley. Yeah, he's not my favorite guy, but I love that deck. I do love that deck. I don't read with it a lot. Yeah. Um, I read for myself with it, but I think it's a beautiful deck. I think Crowley was just... A showman. He, he, he really ran with the reputation in order to bring him more attention to himself so he could make yeah. be more successful what he was trying to do. Let's it, let's it, face it, it, the guy was a snob. All right, let's just face it. Yeah. He he I wonder if he was well, all um, members of the Golden Dawn were. They were really. Right? <laughs> I mean, okay, let's face it. Well, I wonder what his birthday is. Let's see what his birthday was. The only one that I'd say that wasn't would be Israel Regardi. He wasn't too bad. Yeah. Egoist, but they, but they but were Mathers and um, they were part of the uh, William you know, Butler Yates. <laughs> they were part of the. I don't want to say Illuminati, but um, well, they're you know, that, they, they're they, part, every part of what's called the literati. Right. Right. The literati. That's it. So, I, you know, uh, let's see. So, Arthur, I mean. What was his first name? Alistair Crawley. Arthur? Crawley? Crawley. Crawley. Yeah, Alistair. Alistair, that's it. That's it, Alistair Crawley. The Here beast. we go, let's see when he was born. Oh, he's a Libra. Well, there you go, swords. He also claims to be the reincarnation of Eliphas Levy. Who's that? He wrote the, probably the first couple, first books on on tarot. Um, oh, really? It was called um, Ritual Magic and do a lot of ritual and magic or something like What's that. What's the guy's Trans- name? Transcendental magic and ritual. What's the guy's name? Eliphas or Eliphas Levy. Oh, Elif- Eliphas. Eliphas Levy. Yeah. Oh, Levy. Oh, that guy. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay, yeah right. Crowley was, was said that he was the reincarnation of him. Okay, let's see. Which I think oh. is sort of possible because certainly the writing is similar. Very interesting. Let me show you this book that I have. Let me get my... Um, let's see. Let's see. So I got this tarot book. It's a very old one. Um, it's called The Tarot by Muni Sadhu. Hmm, never heard of it. Anyway, let me tell you about it a little bit. A contemporary course of the quintessence of hermetic occultism. Um, I started to read it, but I never... It's pretty heavy duty anyway. I thought you might know him. What do you got there? So you, you got... The uh, Ace of Swords, okay, which he labels as sorrow. Yeah. 
well, it's the beginning of right? Yeah. And so so I'm doing a three card spread. So it's like sort of like past, future, you know. Okay. Present. Uh, the present, Princess of Swords. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. And the future, Queen of Cups. Ooh, that's quite a combination. So so my opinion is that oh. it's close along with like what we were talking about is a drastic change in thinking, a radical way in changing some of your primary ideas that have been holding you back, which will allow you to reach some type of emotional fulfillment. Mm-hmm. I can't, I agree maybe, because the ace is the new maybe beginning. love the new gift the princess is another new beginning right she's another mm-hmm. new beginning um, so the ace would be the victory okay you you fig- you've gotten to the crux of it um, let's run with it and then the princess says well I just got this tool I don't know how to use it so it's working through it working through the issue that's not working for me and then the queen I think of the queens as those who um, they manage the environment so the queen of cups would manage the emotional environment mm-hmm well, we got a queen um, and a cup, so it's a lot of emotion there. It's just total. Yeah, a lot of emotion. She's lot of pretty emotional, energy. isn't she? But you know, she is the um, she is the what do I want to call her? The um, what is it when your uh, your grandmother dies and she was the so and so of the family? The patriarch. <laughs> The, pa- the matriarch. The matriarch. She's the matriarch of the suit of cups, so she knows that suit inside and out. Mm-hmm. She knows how to handle those emotions, or she should. Yeah. Uh, she may fall on the side. They're well arranged. Yeah. Or well uh, prioritized. They are, aren't they? Mm-hmm. But I'll go back to the first one, too. I, I would say that age is decisiveness. There, there, there's there's a split, and, and there's probably what seems to be a good choice and what seems to be a bad choice. But, you know, like we were talking about before, that's how we're trained to look at things, you know. But but there really are no good choices and bad choices. There's as many choices as we really allow ourselves to be open to. Right. And... I, but I also see it as a victorious choice rather than, um, you know, like we were saying, uh, you can, there are all kinds of choices. You can go to a negative choice or a positive choice. I would say it was a positive choice. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah, definitely, especially by the outcome card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But ace, the ace of swords means victory. You know, I mean, pure and simple, it means victory. Um in a simple way it's a victorious card and then you have the princess who i see the princess of swords as being a little uh, a little she can be she could be a little condescending she could be because she's very smart whether it's the prince or the page uh the princess or the page they're very smart and they're adolescent in energy and so you know, they could be a little bit on the bully side, not necessarily. It depends on what other cards are around them. Uh, but she doesn't really know how to use the tool yet. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Well, so in the crawling yeah, deck like though, that. I would say it has more of a fighting type of feel. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like like there's like um yeah. Forward motion. Yeah, there's a lot of fighting, a lot of energy just being thrown at whatever it is. Right. You know. And so is that energy going to be expended well or not? I feel like the energy that I feel like, you know, when I decided to leave the job, I feel like that was my ace of swords. And then all that energy was what I, what it took for me to do what was right, what was right by me and right for me. Yeah, because that's your present card. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's kind of, I would say it's pretty accurate. I would say so. Decision. I love that Ace of Swords. That's beautiful. You had to fight for what you wanted. Yep, yep. And now, and the queen, she's managing the emotions now. Uh-huh. Um, everybody, really, everybody's happy, even the boss. Yep. Not only the boss, but the other people going outward, they're much happier because things have changed in a, in a very positive way. That's awesome. That's a great reading. Look at Gary. You're a good reader, Gary. I'm going to have you read my cards from now on. I've been doing this since I was like 12. <laughs> I know. It's incredible. That's incredible. I love tarot. I love tarot for that reason. Yeah, I do too. It's I fascinating. It. But look at those um, Look at those cards that of the Toth deck. I mean, you look at the oranges, like the strength card. Oh, my gosh. The colors uh, that... I forget the woman's name who did those cards, but she was some artist. Yeah, they really are nice. I forgot how nice these cards are. Yeah, they're really beautiful. And I don't really pay attention to the words on any cards. Um, well, particularly this deck, too. So I think he tried because, to throw people Yeah, I off. mean, that's the author's... I mean, I don't... If I was studying the deck, I would, you know... I understand... I can understand why they might say that, but... Um, I try not to pay any attention to words on a card because I don't want to be swayed. Yeah. No. Yeah, some of this was his open rebelliousness against the Golden Dawn and right. Arthur Waite. And right. You were talking to somebody. I was listening to one of your podcasts. You were talking to somebody about the Knights Templar. And um, let me see if I can find which one it was. Was it... Um, Matthew Barnes, Jesus Christ, Zen Master, Ancient Spiritual Text Explains. I think that's the one I was listening to. And he's a very interesting guy, but I, you were talking about the Knights Templar, and um, I got a Knights Templar tarot deck that I, got a, I had gotten a couple of them, and I never really liked any of them, but I did get one that I liked. And... Then I started dreaming about the, the deck. Mm-hmm. I started dreaming about the people on the deck, and um, I and then and then like a month later, I was ch- in my channeling class, and we go up the golden stairs to meet our spirit guides, and who's there? But a knight's templar sitting on a throne, and. This guy was in his full regalia. Oh, my God. Very powerful and decisive. And um, yet there was a humility about him. 
Mm-hmm. It was a really uh, beautiful thing. And uh, he said to me, and Jesus was standing next to him um, as though to say to me, it's okay to listen to this man. Um, I think because uh, my dad was a Mason and um, I used to tease him about it all the time, but he was like a, there's a 33rd degree Mason and then the 34th degree Mason. And my dad was a 34th degree Mason, the highest you could oh, be. Wow. And um, I used to tease him. And anyway, but um, I would talk to my dad about this stuff and the Knights Templar kind of remind me of that kind of a group mm-hmm. hundreds of years ago. And so I kind of was cynical, maybe. And Jesus stood there next to this knight, and he said, it's okay to talk to him. And so the knight said to me, you've known me. Um, you've been with me before. And he says, I have some um, information that I'm going to impart to you that will be helpful to you in the near future. And then he just... And then I just kind of stood there for a while and was in his presence. Um, it wasn't my turn to channel, so I only got to tell the story of what happened because he had then moved away. That guy was respectable, full of integrity, very humble, very powerful presence. Yeah, I really enjoyed being in that guy's... I would like to be... I. I wonder if he was, I can't, re- he didn't give me a name, but I think I looked up who was the first Knights Templar or who was the leader of them. Mm-hmm. And of course, I can't remember, but I felt like that's who that was. Mm-hmm. And I have not um, met him again uh, since that time. So I should probably call him back and see if he wants to chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, just like what we were talking about, you know, with, with Golden Dawn, like, they were sort of an offshoot of Freemasonry and Rosicrucians. Yes, that's what I mean, you know, Because yeah. those groups at, at that time also didn't allow women. Right. And that's kind of like what made the, the Golden Dawn, like, bad, with the allowed right. women into their group and into the initiation <laughs> process. Right. It's all, you know, that patriarchal stuff that, you know, that we women aren't really appreciative of. But... um you know, I find it very interesting. My uh, The guides that I work with, all of them are men, except ISIS. But um, they have all, I have, I have been a man in other lifetimes. And that's why I know them. And that's why they work with me today. Mm-hmm. So to them, it doesn't matter. You know, maybe when they were on the earth, it did, but it doesn't matter. Right. Um they, um, yeah, I just, you know, I just remembered that. I got to see if I can try to contact that Knights Templar again. Um, you know, um, they got a bad rap. Well, you know, they were hiding something, the, the Templars. I mean, because I was watching a show yesterday. About how, powerful, right? Oh, I was watching a show the other day about, how Jesus and Bob, John the Baptist, you know, there was really no Christianity, obviously. It wasn't created no. yet. And but they were talking about the Essenes in right. the, the, the Gnostic texts and the Dead right. Sea Scrolls and how, 
how Jesus may have had a hand in, in writing those Dead Sea Scrolls. And then what happened after Christianity became big is that a scene thing sort of became part of like the the, the Templars. Right. And then and the and the and the Cathlars. And then eventually all that sort of turned into like these mystery schools into the Rosicrucians, the Masons, and et cetera, et cetera. Right, because like after Jesus was gone, there were all these different groups that kinda and what was the most what worked for the church, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What worked for the church is what we got today. But but the church doesn't really want everybody to have access to those Gnostic teachings because right. if people real you know they, what they basically tell you is that you have direct access to yep. cosmic energies to do what you want with. Yeah, that's that's the yep. gist of it, and they don't want people to know that because then you can't control them. Right. Exactly. It's all about controlling us. Yeah. Yeah, and I understand that. I mean, if I was the most powerful person in the world, I'd want to be in control too, all the time. How do I control these these minions? You yeah, know? yeah. And the best way yep. is to keep them ignorant of yep. their, that's why the their, their, own Church, di- their own divinity. But yeah, and that's why the Catholic Church didn't want people reading the Bible. They had it read for them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was in Latin or they didn't know how to read and they weren't didn't have access. Um Thank goodness for Martin Luther. And then, um, you know, and then what does it mean? You read the King James Version and you're like, what? And then along comes Eugene Peterson, you know, to write the message, uh, the Bible in common language. And um, and the new Revised Standard Version, it's pretty easy to read, you mm-hmm. know, and to understand. And it's also beautifully written. So, um, uh yeah, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting stuff. But the, um, you know, the Knights Templar, you know, they were very powerful, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, they created America, right? I, I, I mean, that's what they. What do you think they did with that treasure? All that money, all that money, man. They, they had they, a lot. Of they money. started bringing all that money and all that treasure here in the fourteen hundreds, and there's proof of it now. There's tons of proof. It's just not in the history books yet. But right, it's not in the history books. But they're figuring it out. You know, um, and you think about the Vatican today, right? I mean, look at the money that's invested in that move. Forget the people, the buildings, the structures, the um, all of the, um, what do you call it? Uh, the things that can never be replaced. Oh my God, my mind is artifacts. going. Artifacts. Artifacts. All the artifacts and everything. Um, what an incredibly wealthy place. Imagine, imagine having access to their library, like the secret Oh my God. Could stuff. you imagine? I could spend my life there if I could read it, if it right? wasn't in Latin, if I could read it. I would love to go there sometime. I would love to. But not with big crowds. That's the only thing. It's huge. There are huge crowds there, so you can't. Did you see that movie, The Two Popes? No. It's about um, Pope Francis mm-hmm. meeting the previous pope. Um, it's a great movie. You ought to watch it. It's a really great movie because they're so different. These two guys are so different. And it was way before Pope. I think it, I don't. maybe it was when Pope Francis first became pope that this movie came out it's a great movie mm. 
you would get a lot out of it. Yeah, there's no doubt I think that Pope Francis was meant to be Pope all along. Oh, man, I think so. And the way they go about choosing the Pope is really interesting. So you ought to see that. It's a really good, really good, um, really good movie. But that movie shows you the inside of the Vatican, certain areas of it. And, oh, my gosh, um, so beautiful. Can't imagine. No. And to be in those rooms, you know, maybe with just, you know, 20, 30 people, would be okay, but there's hundreds of people, so you don't really get the feel of it. You don't get to to really see everything. Mm-hmm. But I, I would love to to see that place someday. Yeah. I would like to access the stuff that they don't allow people to access. Like, I want to know what's in their basement. Yeah, we want to know what's in the basement and yeah. the attic. The secret you know? stuff. You know, yeah. you know they yeah. have it. You know they've, they've looted you know every Some empire. of that stuff as... Um, as a medium and a psychic, I don't know if I really need to be around it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing pictures, but I don't know that I really need to be around it because I think it would really affect me. Mm. Um, Just think I'd like to find see the Library of Alexandria, if it still exists. If it's really underneath the left paw of the Sphinx. Man, I wonder. That's another place. Um... I'd love to go to Egypt. Oh, me too. Yeah, I would love to go. I would love to go there. Um, my sister, who is a minister, she's been to Spain, um, to Assisi. She's been to a lot of Israel. She's been to Israel, Jerusalem, all mm-hmm. that. Um, she says, you know, beautiful, such beautiful places. Uh, Jerusalem, she said everything in Jerusalem is... Um, it's not real. They say this is where the Last Supper was, but that's not where it was because the city was demolished. Yeah. You know, so you, they don't know where it happened, but they just put place marks in that. But in Spain and Italy, um, the places she's been, she says they're just beautiful, spectacular. Yeah. I've only been to New Mexico where they have, you know, those really old churches, but um, they're made out of wood. <laughs> so all the statues and that are... Well, what's that church in, in Manhattan? The St. Peter's? Oh, St. Uh, Saint, yeah. I know. It. Yeah, I've been in there. I forget. It's like a massive church. Yeah, yeah it has I've been like, in there. It has like a whole bunch of different altars. And that is a beautiful place. That one's now, pretty that, pretty awesome place. You walk I in there, to, you're like, whoa. That, that boutique... Uh, firm I used to work for was right around the corner from there, mm-hmm. and it's across the street from uh, Rockefeller Center. Yeah, yeah. I forget yeah, the name so of it. St. Patrick's. Yes. Saint Pat- yeah. Um, that is a beautiful, and that is a place that you can go into, and there aren't a lot of people in there. Mm-hmm. And you can really just walk around and look. It is a beautiful place. Yeah, and they you do like mass is. every hour. Yeah. And even home, they let the homeless people in there sleep. No, I don't see that in there. I, I did when I was there. The you, when, you went, yeah. when were you there? Uh, I guess it was probably maybe eight, nine years ago. Really? Wow. Yeah, they were letting them sleep in there. Which I think that's they should. Funny. I mean, that's part I of I think they should. It's, you know, a church. Be. I think it should be open church. all the time to the public. Interesting. I don't know when churches started locking their doors. 
Yeah, well, St. Patrick's is a church that's open all day. Oh, yeah, There's somebody there, yeah. but not all churches are like that, you know, because they'd be vandalized. There are some amazingly beautiful churches in Manhattan. Unbelievable. In the summertime, when I lived on Long Island, I would go into the city in the summer when everybody was in the Hamptons. I would go into the city and go to a church, a different church every week, just to check out the architecture. Oh, my gosh. So many. Mm -hmm. So many beautiful places. Yeah. One of the things I find fascinating, too, other than beauty, you know, is these churches were all built basically to contain vibration, sound. And they did. Because the choir and, I mean, the, the minister's voice would carry, mm -hmm. you know, it would carry through the whole, and it, these are big places, the marble and all of that, and stunning. Yeah, the architecture, um, yeah, they definitely carry sound really well, yep. Uh, I think that still leads to, like, you know, these ancient secrets of vibration and acoustics and how... Some of these ancient hey, structures were built. Hey, look, when you're a Vanderbilt or a Carnegie or, uh, you know, whoever, you had the money to uh, donate to those kind of churches to have the best of the best, mm -hmm. you know, um, doing your architecture for you, you know. Most of them were built by funny. Masons. What's that? Most of them were built by Freemasons. Yeah, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Amazing structures. Amazing structures. So um, so should I pull a couple of cards for you, Gary? Sure, go ahead. I have the Byzantine Tarot here. Oh. Um, I bought it a while ago, and I never used it. Um, I, I kind of like the artwork. It's kind of pretty. Oh, let, me turn, let me turn this one around because it's an angel. It's actually... Um, that's interesting. This is justice. It's called fortitude. Look at the, um, so there's a man sort of struggling with the angel for his arrow. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That is interesting. And the angel is not white. I'll have you know. <laughs> I kind of like that, you know. Yeah, that's good. Interesting. Okay, so let me pull a couple of cards for you. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, I love to travel. Do you like to travel? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like to travel. The only thing travel. that stops me now is my dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to have somebody who is willing to stay at your house for a while, you know? Yeah. But um, I, I've been to Europe, and I've been to uh, Mexico. But you know what? I've had a lot of fun taking like less than week-long trips around the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, so many beautiful places here in the United States. And um, I'm really glad there was like a period of five years where I traveled to different locations in the U.S. and it was great. Oh, it's the Count, the Count of Cups. I'm going to say that the Count is the Knight. Knight of Cups. Hmm. Um, I wonder if he's a, 
Let me see. Okay. We, and then we have the Wheel of Fortune, and then we have Fortitude again. Uh, so that's interesting that that card kept showing up. Let me find. Oh, no, it's not a knight. It's the king. I have the queen. You have the king. King of Cups. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, there's just the the C in the background is not real, but he's standing on the dock waiting for his ship. Wheel of Fortune. So, you know, the King of Cups, uh, again, I like to I like to think of him as a man of emotional maturity. Yeah. Because he is the above he he's experienced all, all the emotions. Although um, he can be have a hard time making a decision because he wants everybody to be happy. Mm-hmm. I kind of think of him that he wants everybody to be happy and not everybody can be happy. Um, hmm. This is interesting. So I have that. I have the Wheel of Fortune. And then I have this Fortitude card, which is Justice. Or it could also, I'm gonna. It could be the strength card. You know that? Yeah, I don't know what this, that is. I think that's card. the strength card. It's number eleven. So no I, I bet you in this deck, it's the strength card, and the guy is fighting with the angel. So it's sort of like his dark side fighting with his light side. It's not. Let me see if hmm. there's strength in here. Um, see, I, I just took this out again last night. I've always like, thought of strength as sort of a more gentle type of card. Um, Taming. Well, it shows you what the end result of that back and forth of um, trying to master your lower self. Okay, let's see. So, holy moly. So, patriarch. Okay. Diablos. Lovers, I'm pretty sure that that is the strength card and that um, you're trying to, it's like the devil on your left shoulder and the angel on Mm -hmm. your right shoulder. And so it's showing the struggle. Um, Taming those base desires. Yeah. um, Or Kundalini. Yes, it is the strength because here's justice. Yeah, justice is eight instead of 11. Right, so this is mm-hmm. the old tarot. It's a pretty card. These are kind of interesting cards. So what I'm getting from this is that um, you know, I think that you strive to be emotionally mature, um, except when it comes to rock and roll. And um, I think that you know that's a goal of, that you would really like to be able to be that because to um so that you had dominion over your emotions right um yeah it's certainly been a struggle the last couple of most, years yeah right and to uh and so then the wheels is turning so the wheel is turning and the strength card comes out and the strength card really is about overcoming and coming to respect the darkness in yourself Mm -hmm. as much as you respect the light, your integrity, right? Um, And that both have their place. Emotional maturity is about understanding that both have their place in life. 
Um, not that the darkness in us is real evil, um, but it kind of guides our decision-making and the way that we respond to people, while the light um, helps to balance it out. I mean, it's a dichotomy, right? It's um, uh, So what I'm saying here is that I think that you... You know, in this year, you're gonna, you are going to become more emotionally mature. And I find that that happens when people are able to be a witness to what is happening for them. Mm -hmm. You know, rather than judging yourself through every step, uh, but witnessing what's going on, your thought process, like when you meditate, you know, you're witnessing your thoughts, but you're not engaging them. Mm -hmm. So, um, tricky thing to do, though, to be objective about yourself. <laughs> It happens I'm, I'm, when... I'm always biased towards the pleasure. Well, yeah, I understand. But it happens when uh, you've been through some really hard times. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I think you'll find that you're starting to pay attention to what you're thinking. And it's like, oh, isn't that interesting? And how you're feeling? Oh, isn't that's that interesting? Look at how I'm feeling about that, right? Yeah, I've been going through a lot of that lately. Yes, that's what's happening here. Paying a lot more attention to my thoughts and feelings and... Yeah, you know, rather than just and, and deciding whether they're useful thoughts or feelings, and if they're not, trying to modify them. Right, right. How can I make this better for myself? Right. How can I make this more comfortable for me and and for the other person? You know, because in in our youth, we want to say that everybody else is to blame for our discomfort. You know, <laughs> that's what I we think I've done do. that up until like the age of forty-five or so. Up until last month, right? Yeah. And then, and then, um, and then you realize, well, that's not working for me. <laughs> that's not work because it's not working for me. So I think you're going to overcome a lot of stuff, and you will find yourself becoming more emotionally mature. And um, yeah, I have other things to say about that, but not here. <laughs> awesome thanks for help letting me use my new deck anytime thanks for letting me use one of my decks sure I loved it it was fun it was I have great. so many I recently got yeah. one called let's talk late. I have one it's not my room but I have a light activation deck that's also really nice too let me see what it looks like What I have to go get it to the other room oh okay um, well when, if I come to visit you I will. You can show it to me oh, then. I have all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'm always buying. All right. So when am I going to get to interview Gary? You can interview me anytime. Oh, I think we should do that one time. You want to do an episode where you interview me? Yes, I think so. All right. The next time we do this, you can interview me. Okay. That would be great. Excellent. And people can find out all my dark secrets. I think we know them. You're kind of... You know, you don't really have a lot to hide. You kind of like talk about whatever, you know. You're not afraid. No. You know? Not. you know, when you overcome something, you're not afraid to talk about it, you know. So, yeah, I would love to do that. That would be good. It's a great idea. Okay. All right. So, before we wrap it up, where's the best place for my listener to find you and what is it you do? Okay, so my name is Ginger Glasser, and I am a tarot reader, oracle reader, mystic channeler, so, um, and a medium, evidential medium, 
And you can find me at www.tarotbyginger.com. It's tarotbyginger.com. Yep. And Instagram, (laughs) Facebook, Twitter. Yes. I think I say tarotbyginger.com almost every night of my life. I think that is wonderful. (laughs) It's like, you know, well, I'm not the only one. You say a lot of other people's names. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Gary. It's been great having a chat with you. You too. Thanks for being on and hang on for one moment. And I'm going to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. Love what you listen to today. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable with Gary Cochulio.